if you're able, if you'd remain standing to honor God's Word, comes to us today from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow to build, and to plant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. A couple of uh, words before we uh, start this sermon and this sermon series. Uh, first word is, um, isn't it marvelous to have our choir back? Yeah. You know, a couple years ago, maybe about two years ago, some of us were concerned that with COVID and the nature of choirs that they may never come back. And today we had to set up more chairs uh, for how big our choir is. Isn't God good? He's so faithful and he's so good and wonderful. Hey, um, we're starting a, an 11-week journey through the book of Jeremiah, through the Old Testament prophet, the book of Jeremiah. And a couple of things I want to uh, commend to you. One is, in our bulletin each week, we're going to have a different me message from one of the pastors, so just take note of that. <clears throat> More often, it'll be about uh, the topic of the day. Um, we have a study guide that's available on the back table for groups or personal use. That'll be uh, new each week uh, for you to use. We have a podcast Pastor Bruce and a couple of guests before Pastor Kirk returns from sabbatical, he's our host, called The Full Dig, and they're going to be going through Jeremiah uh, in a deeper way. That, that um, um, what do the kids say? It arrives, it drops, it drops on Thursdays, um, on th it drops on Thursday mornings, and uh, boy, they, it's, it, they're so good, it's wonderful. So I I uh, commend that to you. And then after this service, I think most all of you will head over. You'll, you won't fit because the crowds will be so much. You'll head over to uh, right across the NX 101, and Carl Johnson is teaching on Jeremiah. So do you see all this? And wait, there's more. Uh, we have midweek study groups with the pastors. Um, we, most of those are all full, but we're going to open up another one. So you can go to the adult ed table if you want to do a book study through Jeremiah. So see all these opportunities uh, that we have. It's going to be a wonderful fall. Uh, as we journey through this together. Let's pray as we begin. Oh Lord, these, these ancient words are yours and they speak to us today. These words are eternal. They do not change. They're yours. And so we humbly ask that you would be the one to speak them through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. In this first section of Jeremiah, I, I see three themes that I think will carry us through the book. We will find some more themes, but I think these three will be ones that are constant and that will carry us through. And the first we see right off the bat is that we discover God's calling. Before I formed you in the womb, God said to Jeremiah, I knew you. 
And before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you. Jeremiah began his prophetic role as a small boy. In fact, he complains and he says, God, I'm just a boy. How can I possibly be a prophet? Um, I thought you had to be trained to be a prophet. I thought you had to have the, the, the highest skill, the greatest training to be a prophet. Jeremiah is, is protesting what God has set aside and called him to. But the truth is, if the Lord puts a word in your mouth, you can be a prophet. And that's what prophets do. They speak the word of God. And that's why you'll hear the prophets over and over again say, thus says the Lord. They speak on behalf of God. They announce the implications of the kingly reign of God. They announce, um, we, we see this actually so many times through Scripture, sometimes in, in personal ways. We saw it in Nathan when he told a parable after David's terrible sin, the prophet Nathan. Um, he interpreted the will of God to King David. The prophets are very bold. They're all very bold. They speak to the kings. They speak to the priests. They speak to the people. They call people to repent. The prophets, that's one theme that goes throughout all the prophets. They call people to turn from their ways, turn around, walk back, change what you're doing, head home to God, listen to God, do His commands. This is what prophets do. There's always a call for us to repent from our sins. Now, as you can imagine, this does not make prophets very popular. It doesn't. As we go through this book, I'm going to resist the temptation to say that you and I need to be like Jeremiah. I don't think that's what this book is teaching. Jeremiah is unique. And there is a good reason why Jeremiah said to God, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do this. I think saying, I'm just a boy, I don't want to do this, was just an easy first thing off the top, but he could have come up a list of 20 reasons why he didn't want to do this, because he knew, he knew what was coming. See, he, he especially knew what was coming because Jeremiah was a PK. You know what a PK is? Pastor's kid. Jeremiah's father was a pastor, his, a priest, his grandfather was a priest. <clears throat> you know what they say about pastor's kids. I can say that because I am a pastor's kid. Whatever else you can say, Jeremiah knew what was coming. He had seen it. He understood when God brought this call into his life, it was, oh no, me, I'm the one, I have to go forward. I mean, think about it. As we go through this book, we're going to discover that Jeremiah was called to be a prophet, and because of that, he was forbidden to marry because of the terrible times in which he lived. Um, in his prophesying, in his preaching, in all of his sermons, I think it's safe to say that Jeremiah never made a convert. Can you imagine doing this for 48 years and never having a convert? You would get depressed. No one was on his side in all of that preaching. He was imprisoned, hated, beaten, put in stocks, charged with being a traitor. This is what lie ahead for Jeremiah. His very own sermons broke his heart. He didn't like preaching them. He wanted to quit. He wanted to resign. But God wouldn't let him. We read that in chapter 20. And then he had to watch the destruction of Jerusalem and the Babylonian captivity. 
He was permitted to remain in the land by uh, some of the Babylonian forces, but when the remnant wanted to flee to Egypt, Jeremiah prophesied against it, but he was forced to go with the remnant to Egypt, (coughs) and that's where Jeremiah died, and tradition says that he was stoned by that remnant. Thankfully, not all of us are called to be prophets. It's an incredibly difficult life, and yet... It is right and good to read this verse in a very personal way. Jeremiah's call was unique. It was specific. But these words should resonate in each of our hearts. When God says to you and to me, before you were formed, I knew you. I set you apart. I appointed you. I have things for you to do. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. I appointed you. God's call on your life is a form of grace. He formed you for a purpose. You know, we watched this past week, um, as Bruce mentioned, Elizabeth, when she, she passed and all of the coverage of all the, the transition. It's the only queen most, king or queen most of us have known. It's interesting, um, C.S. Lewis commented on her coronation. He presumably watched it on TV. So way back in the day when she was crowned, he wrote this. He says, you know, over here people did not get that fairy tale feeling about the coronation. What impressed most who saw it was the fact that the queen herself appeared to be quite overwhelmed by the sacramental side of it. Hence, in the spectators, a feeling of, it's hard to describe, but there was a feeling of awe and of pity, pathos, mystery, the pressing of that huge, heavy crown on that small, young head becomes a sort of symbol of the situation of humanity itself. Humanity called by God to be His, his regent, his, his vice regent, His high priests on earth, yet feeling oh so inadequate. I love that imagery. Lewis is saying each one of us should feel that that crown, that heavy crown, is placed on each one of you. That's what this verse means. Before I knew you, I formed you. I appointed you. You and I who are baptized, who are part of the family of faith, become sons and daughters of the king and the queen. We have a role to play. Through his grace, we have a crown put on us. The role may not be as a prophet like Jeremiah, but it may be an agent of grace in your workplace. It might be that you were set aside to make a lot of money so that you could give it all away to help those in need. It might be in your family you were set aside to be the one who's kind and patient. I could go on and on and on. Before I I knew you, before I formed you, God says... So the question before us is, are we open to God's call? Jeremiah protested for good reason, but he fulfilled it. He lived into it. His was very, very difficult. The second thing we discover is God's message. Verse 9, Then the Lord put out His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. 
God appointed Jeremiah to speak his words, and they are words that call the nation of Judah back to their covenant with God. Remember your marriage vows, what you promised. I promise God is saying to do this and this and this, to care and protect and love you and do all this. Now, you also made vows, and he's calling them back. Remember. Remember that covenant. God wants a relationship with us. And the Hebrew people had turned their back on God. They disregarded the poor in their midst. They were worshiping foreign gods. <clears throat> they became prideful and arrogant, thinking they could do anything they want as long as they had the temple right there in Jerusalem. They had God's presence right there, so they thought nothing can harm us, nothing can hurt us, we can do whatever we want as long as we have God on our side. Now, we would never say anything like that, would we? We would never think that, right? We would never be tempted to think anything like that, that like, um, well, you know, we're Presbyterian. God wouldn't get mad at Presbyterians, would He? I mean, we're the, you know, we're not like those people on TV. You know, we're the gentle, you know, kind of in the middle people. God wouldn't certainly, or He couldn't be. Or we're Americans, right? We're Americans. We're the good people. See, we are going to be confronted with this in the book of Jeremiah. We're going to be confronted again and again, whatever our, our presuppositions are about maybe we're okay and it's the other people that are the problem. And Jeremiah's words are going to come to us. God, through Jeremiah, calls them to listen to His Word and to turn around. And it comes in a very dramatic way. We're going to see this as we go through this book. A couple of examples. In Jeremiah 5, we read these words. It says, God says to Jeremiah, I want you to walk up and down the city streets of Jerusalem, the old city. Look around, take notes, search the market squares. If you've ever been there, you, you have a vivid understanding of what that looks like. Jeremiah, walk up and down these narrow streets. See if you can find one man, one woman, one single soul who's doing what is right and tries to live a true life. And if so, I want you to forgive that person. Can you imagine as the day grew late, as Jeremiah walked those streets and he's crying, he can't find anyone. The people, the nation had turned against God. They were doing wicked and evil things. And then God says, but if all they do is say, as sure as God lives, as if to say, when you confront people, when they say, well, God's alive, we're okay, everything's fine. Whew. That was the attitude. And God said, they're lying. It's not true. On another occasion, God tells Jeremiah to put a yoke around his neck and, and, and go and preach near the temple. And now, the, the Jews had a very definite ideas about this symbol of a yoke. A yoke was an instrument to couple animals, oxen, typically to drive a plow or pull a cart. That meant if, if you had a yoke on you, you were stuck in an endeavor that was difficult and in a hard place and it was burdensome. And, and a yoke was the symbolic word to refer to the horrible years the Hebrews had in slavery. It was an image, a symbol of a life turned out not the way they had hoped and dreamed. And so God says to Jeremiah, take that awful symbol of slavery and how awful it was for my people. I want you to put it around your neck and I want you to go down and I want you to preach with that on. It's one of the most famous scenes in Jeremiah as he announces the fact that God is judging the city. He comes into the court and and he's not in prison at this point, although this puts him into prison. He comes wearing a yoke. It's a kind of parable. 
It's a leather wooden yoke like an ox would have. And he walks in, he says, thus says the Lord, because of your sins, you're going to be taken captive and you're going to be in captivity to the Babylonians because of your sins. One of the other prophets, not only was Jeremiah in a hard job, but he had other prophets who didn't like him. Boy, we might call them false prophets, but there were other prophets that were popular. They were getting big offerings. They were on TV. They had all of it. One of those came to Jeremiah, took the yoke that was around his neck, and broke it over his knee and said, Ha, not true. It's not we're invincible. Nobody will take us captive. And yet Jeremiah, not to be undone, the next day he decides to come back to the, king of the, the court of the king again. This time he wears a yoke of iron, his famous yoke of iron. He says, now try to break that. God is bringing judgment to you. What a hard message. Time's running out. Listen to what God is saying to you. Turn back to His ways. Be open to the message that God has for you. It's a good question for us. It's a good question for our church. Are we really open? If God has a message for us today, are we ready to hear it? Are we open enough, humble enough, ready enough to receive what message God, even if it's difficult and hard and challenging. Russell Moore is the brand new editor of Christianity Today. Russell is a Southern Baptist, and he was written a lot about ethics and theology. He's an incredibly bright man. He has a podcast now, and one of the things he's doing on that podcast is he's inviting guests on who disagree with him over an issue of ethics or theology. And he sets up rules around this. He says, listen, I, I, let's understand something. I don't agree with the position you take, but in this podcast, I'm going to commit to listening to you. I won't debate you. I won't argue with you. I can ask some questions for clarity. And so you listen to this, and it's a beautiful picture of someone saying and modeling, I understand that I may not have a corner of the truth. I understand that it's important for me to listen to other voices. See, that's a really good posture, and it's really helpful. I doubt any of his guests who have brought, come have changed his mind, but he's modeling something, and who knows? See, this is a healthy church. This is a church we want to be. Be open enough to say, we don't have it all figured out. Be, be ready to listen to what God might be having to say. Be okay to say, I don't believe that all of God's will is encapsulated in the Democratic Party platform and the Republican Party platform, <laughs> right? Amen? It's not. I need to go forward and we as a church need to go forward and say, there's probably places where I'm wrong. I'm fallible. I don't understand it all. God, let me hear what you want me to hear. Let us hear the message that God wants us to hear. As difficult as it may be, if it's from God, it's good and it's true. Are we open to hearing God's Word? Or are we convinced that we have it all figured out and we're right? Third, we discover in this book, and we see it in these opening verses, God's discipline. The Hebrews came to a place where they couldn't believe God would punish or, nor discipline. 
In verse 10, we read, God say to Jeremiah, see today I appoint you over the nations, over the kingdoms, to pluck up, to pull down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. Six verbs there, six of them. Four of them are destructive. Two are building back up. It's probably a summary of Jeremiah. There's probably four hard words and a couple of positive and hopeful ones. We need to hear all of them. Four negative, two positive. God's discipline is always purposeful, and it's always a means of grace. God's discipline is such that it's meant to bring us back to Him. God has been patient for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years when we get to Jeremiah. He's tried everything. He has sent His messengers. He has sent word to the people to turn around. You're hurting yourselves. Nothing is working. When we get to Jeremiah, we are at the end of a long, long, patient walk of God. And now he's saying, I'm going to need to do discipline. Because why? Because I love you and I want you to come home. I know how this life is meant to be lived, God says. God is incredibly patient. It hurts God to use discipline. That's God's heart. And it is a form of love that is necessary for there to be a covenant relationship. Walter Wangerin was a wonderful author, writer, who passed away a few years ago. He writes about how he tried to stop his young son, Matthew, from stealing comic books. He tried various uses of the law over several years, and they, none of them worked. Finally, he resorted to something he rarely did or used, a spanking. He did it deliberately, almost ritualistically, and he was so upset when he finished that he left that room, he went into the other room, and he began to weep as a father and cry. And after he pulled himself back together, he went to Matthew and he hugged him. A number of years later, Matthew and his mother were doing some reminiscing. And Matthew happened to bring up the time when he kept stealing comic books. And you know why I finally stopped, he asked. Sure, she said. Dad spanked you. <laughs> he finally did it. He finally spanked you. No, replied Matthew, because I heard Dad cry. I heard him weep. In Luke chapter 19, there's an amazing scene in the New Testament where Jesus is looking over the city of Jerusalem, that same city that Jeremiah would walk up and down the streets calling people to please turn back to God. Jesus is looking over the city, probably on the Mount of Olives, and you can see over the city. He's looking over this. And Jesus begins to cry and weep. You see, this is God's heart. In Jesus, we see what God does and what He's like. And when He looks at that city, Jesus weeps. And He says, oh, oh, I wish, Jesus says. He might have said these exact words. I wish 
you would have listened to Jeremiah and turned back. See, Jesus knows what's coming in the days ahead. Well, how about Mountain View Presbyterian Church? Are we open? Are we ready to receive and hear God's calling? Are we ready to hear that individual calling, but also that corporate calling that says, I'm going to put a crown for you all, and I'm calling you to be set apart to do something marvelous and wonderful in the world that which you live? Kingdom things. And then are we humble enough to be receptive to God's message and God's Word, to receive it, even if it's hard word? And then are we willing to be in a relationship with God that invites and welcomes discipline? This one's hard. Discipline is always hard to see in the immediate context. It's probably something that we need to see back there. And we're going to have sermons as we go through where we're going to see that discipline, and we will talk more about this one. But my prayer, my hope, is that we will journey together through this book, that we will listen together, and that we will thank the Lord for this message that we desperately need to hear. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for the call on Jeremiah's life. We thank you for the faithful way he spoke your message. We're grateful that you have anointed and appointed and called us to live in Jesus' ways, to do wonderful things in a world that is really hurting and needs to feel and hear and see your touch and your words and your actions in our midst. Help us through this study, we humbly ask in Jesus' name. Amen.